All right, I'm going to pray in a second, but we're going to continue today in a series that we've been on as a church on the culture of the king. And we're going to look at a passage, a famous parable that Jesus spoke um, in Matthew 13. And we're going to look today at sowing. The title of today's message is Sowing and Growing. So let's go ahead and just uh, pray before we jump in here to the Word of God. Father, we just thank you for your Word. Lord, we just thank you because it is a solid rock upon which we can stand, Father. And I thank you that you have shed the light of your Word abroad in our hearts and that we can have confidence that we can grow in you, we can grow in understanding in you, but more importantly, we can grow in experience and practice in the life of the believer because you've given us your word, Father. So we just submit ourselves to it this morning and we say, Lord, we want to know you. We want to learn your ways. We want to be faithful followers of you. And we believe, Lord, that the word that you've given us implanted in our hearts can produce a great fruit. And so we are excited and in anticipation this morning as we study your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to read a passage here. Um, so let's jump in and do this together. Uh, Matthew 13. This is a well-known passage. It's in um, uh, three of the Gospels, actually. And here is what happened. That day, Jesus went out of the house, just like anybody else, and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, and so he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. I think that would be a really cool conference to go to. I love the sea myself, and I think to be able to be standing on the seashore with the speaker in a boat on the sea would be an amazing experience. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And the others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Here he who has ears, let him hear. So we know that Jesus then went on to give an explanation of this parable when he was questioned and gave specific answers to what the seed was and what the soil was and that type of thing. And we're going to look more into that over the next two weeks. But this morning, we're going to focus primarily on the seed. We're going to focus on this. I don't know if you can see this here. This is not a very large wine glass. This is actually a vase or a vase, as you would say, which it doesn't look very good, but this is full of seed. This is actually grass seed. And so I want us to picture what was happening back at this time. We've got this image, which I already painted a little bit, where Jesus decides that he is going to speak to the people. 
And he was hunted down by the ordinary people because Jesus was radical in his time. And I think it's hard for us sometimes to grasp what was happening here because Jesus, we, we, we read the Bible often through the lens of our culture, but the fact of the matter is it, this was something that happened 2,000 years ago and it was written to a people who would have a different cultural context um, than we have today. So Jesus was brilliant in that he made simple things, he made, sorry, complex things simple. We later read that he would use the foolish things to shame the wise. But in a time when the the, uh, the church at the time was packing people into buildings and trying to, um, trying to uh, make it hard to access the things of God and the truth of God. Jesus did completely the opposite. He took the kingdom of God outside the walls of the church and he spoke in terms that people would actually understand. It wasn't through scrolls and other boring things like that, but he talked in real terms. So he decided to explain the kingdom of God by talking about agriculture. Now, anybody here, is there anyone here who's a farmer? Uh, I, uh, yes, Megan Parks. I think she is actually at the farm this morning. She's a farmer. Um, and then we have the blacks in the back. They raise their hand. They're doing some farming out there. So they might have a better understanding of the parable that we just read than I would or you would. Because Jesus chose to explain something in terms that were readily understood by the people he was talking to at the time. And this was really radical. The fact that he did this the fact that he spoke to groups of ordinary people, the fact that he spoke also to men and women made him an incredibly progressive person. And so he gives a story about um, basically farming. Now, I don't know anything about seed myself. I don't, this means nothing to me. I was about to like cast this across the <laughs> carpet, but for the sake of the people who clean the building, I will not. <laughs> but I don't know anything about this. I know some of you here do have some history. I know Denny Lopnow, he grew up on a farm. I think Ed's family has farmed, but this means nothing to me. But I think what Jesus was doing is he was connecting to people and making kingdom things understandable. Now, I would venture to say if Jesus hadn't come back 2,000 years ago and he decided to come back today in our time, he would have chosen to give a parable that you or I might more readily understand. I'm from a sales background, and so Jesus might well have come in and decided to talk to us here, and well, I'm in the audience listening, and said, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like a salesman who goes to the office to make sales calls to his prospects. He calls the first customer who writes down his number on a sticky note and then forgets about it and it falls behind the printer and then the cleaning people come and clean it away. And I'd be like, yes, that's happened to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then the salesman made another phone call and the person he spoke to was incredibly enthusiastic and said, yes, I'm going to buy your product. I will absolutely call me back a week from now and I'm going to put my order in. And then when he went to call back, the person was busy and is at lunch. And then when he called back again, they were still at lunch. 
And eventually, he stopped calling them back because they never returned his calls. And I'd be like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'd be sitting there with my buddies high-fiving as Jesus is talking to me, and he's explaining something about the kingdom of God, which I can understand. And then he says, and then the salesman makes his last phone call of the day to the customer that he doesn't believe is ever going to want his product. And that customer then decides to put a huge order in and increases the revenues of that company by a hundredfold. And then the following year, 60, and the following year, 30, and so on. And I'd be like, wow, I know exactly what that's like. That time when you think that the sale is never going to be made, it's the person you don't think that it's going to come from, and suddenly they do something that you never expect. And often you feel like I'm not even going to bother calling that person because I know they're going to say no, and they say yes. And I'd be like, wow, so the kingdom of God is like this. So, is the, so the, 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 the word of God then, you can never tell. You don't see it working, but you have to believe that it is working and it is going to work. And this is the brilliance of Jesus. He had these people on the edge of their seat because they understood what he was talking about. And we have to learn how to grasp the truths of the kingdom of God and accept them for what they are so that they likewise can be transformative in our lives. Jesus made complex things simple. Now, how many of you like things to be simple? Yes, I like it when things are simple. How many of you think that simple things are also easy? <laughs> Just because something is simple doesn't mean to say it's easy, right? It's like, you know, raising kids. Well, you just have kids, you just teach them what you know. It's simple, right? Maybe simple, but it's not easy. It's like marriage. Two people fall in love, they just live for the rest of their lives together. Simple, but not easy. <laughs> you know, the kingdom of God, it is simple in a sense, but it is not easy. And what Jesus was saying when he stood before this throng of people is he was, he was saying there's a change. The kingdom of God, the power of God, is no longer locked up among a select few who think they have it all, but it is accessible to every single person who chooses to believe in it. Anyone, whether you think you are the most ordinary or the most extraordinary person, can be a supernatural, world-changing person if you will accept what I am saying about the kingdom of God. That is what he was saying. He took the message out of the synagogue and to the seaside. And he spoke to people like you and me in terms that were utterly fresh and radical. And then a good portion of those people accepted that, wor that word and went on to change the world. And what we want to do this morning is to 
grasp and understand the concept of sowing that Jesus was talking about because it is a powerful, powerful thing. This morning, we're going to focus on sowing. Next week, we're going to look at the soil. There is so much to be had from here, but I want this morning to focus on the sowing because we need to be a people who sow. Amen? We got to be a people who are sowing. So we're going to dig into this a little bit and look at what it is to be sowers because sowing produces growing. All right. Um, Number one, we must believe in the seed. So this seed here doesn't mean a lot to me, but right here what I have is a whole bunch of grass seed. And the people that Jesus were talking to would understand the principle of the sower taking a bunch of this and going out and sowing it. And these people would understand that if you didn't sow the seed, it would eventually go bad. How many of you ever have bought grass seed because you intended to fix a patch in your lawn and you didn't do it for two or three years and, or longer? Um, and then when you went to plant the seed, you discovered that it was no good and nothing grew up. Now, I could not tell by what the seed looks like whether the seed was still good or not. But I can tell you this, that seed which is not planted, it will last a little period of time, but it will not last very long. And so we're instructed to sow the seed. Now, when I was looking into this and mulling over this and meditating on this, I did a little bit of research, and I discovered that while seed lasts for a little bit, if it's kept dry in a cool place, that seed that is planted in the ground can last a very, very long time. In fact, I, I discovered that there is on record a um, botanist who had conducted an, an experiment back in the early 90s. Her name was Jane Shen Miller, who, fa- who dug up some seed pods, had them radiocarbon dated, and then put them into fertile soil and cause them to germinate and sprout. And this is a seed that was 1,288 years old. Amazing. Why? Because when we choose to sow the seed, When that seed goes into the ground, while we don't see it and we have no idea what's happening, it may lie there for a very, very long time. But when it is sown, when the circumstances are right, that seed can spring forth into life. We need to believe in the seed and choose to sow it. So what is the seed? We later hear that seed is the word of God. So what I'm talking about here is us choosing to sow by by believing and speaking with our mouths the Word of God, to receive the Word of God and speak it. So I sow into my own heart, 
by choosing to believe and speak the word of God about myself and my life. And then I sow into others, I sow into environments by what I proclaim about situations outside of myself. So I may speak into the life of my children. And I may, as I'm praying and I'm speaking, I may say, Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would pour himself out on the lives of my children, that they would know, that they would encounter you, because I believe that's the will of God for them. I'm speaking truth, and I'm sowing into the environment, and so God responds to that, and he will do what I ask. I may speak into a situation. When I was working in the corporate world, I would speak into situations at work all the time, according to the word of God, and I would just speak those things because I'm sowing into the environment. But I could know those things, but not sow them. And they would have little effect. It would be like the dry seed, which may go bad after a little while. But once I've sown it and it gets into the soil, it can last and produce a harvest when it's ready. So number one, we have to believe in the seed. We got to act on what we do know. So Dan often says, if we don't act upon what we do know, we become paralyzed by what we don't know. So I would ask us all today, what do you believe? What do you believe about your life? What do you believe about the challenges you're facing? What do you need to sow into what's in front of you right now? Because act upon what you do know, because if you don't, you will get completely embroiled by what you don't know and don't understand. We've got to make a decision to act upon what we do know. Otherwise, we will be paralyzed by what we don't know. Because the promise of God, Ephesians 3.20, is that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. That power comes from the seeds which are sown into our own lives. So we believe in the seed. All right, so what do we do having believed in the seed and chosen to act on it? Number two, we sow all the seed. We sow it all. The first thing that struck me when I was reading this parable about the sower, I thought to myself, Wow, like the sower is just super liberal with all this seed, and it's kind of wasteful. Like this seed, you, you picture him, there's like seed going all over the path and all over the rocks, and as he's throwing it into the areas where there are thorns and everything else. And initially I thought, well, there's only 25% of that seed actually does anything. But I felt God speak to me as I was mulling on this and say, I have an unending supply of seed. There's no limit to the amount of seed that we have. And you need to take what you have and sow it all. Sow all that you have. Throw it everywhere. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 6 says this. It says, sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle in the evening. For you don't know whether the morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them will be good alike. And so basically, in Ecclesiastes, he's saying, listen, go out there, get the whole thing that you have, and just toss it all out. Just get rid of it all. Because who knows, it might, it, the, the first batch might be good or the second batch, or better still, both of them will be good. And I think we can we can sometimes think that like God just allocates us a portion of something. But I would venture to challenge us all 
to make a decision with everything that we know and we believe in, we're going to sow as much seed into every different environment, into every different challenge we face, as much seed of blessing and thankfulness into every area we're thankful for, and just get as much out as you possibly can. Because that word is not going to return to him void. Amen? So at everywhere, there is more than enough seed for you and I. Nothing will be wasted. Number three, having believed in the seed, sowing all the seed we have, we expect a harvest. I love this. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the sower, he went out and he threw all this seed You can't tell what's going to happen to the seed by looking at it. You can't tell what's going to happen when it's in the ground. But he was expectant that there was going to be a harvest. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 27, Jesus talks about this as well when he's talking about sowing and reaping. It's such a big thing. And he says in Mark 4, 27, that the sower, he goes to bed at night. He gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. We don't have to know how it's going to come about to believe that it will come about. And that's the aspect of faith that we walk in, that we make a decision that there are some things that we don't know as far as the workings of it, but all we need to know is God has said it will work. What is interesting as well about the seed that that was sown here by the sower, that in actual fact, While there was one person who was the last person who bore much fruit, all of the seed actually had an effect. So there was seed that did some good to the birds, right? The birds came and stole the seed, but I'm sure they benefited from it somehow. (laughs) Then the other other, um, plant sprung up quickly. It produced something. And then the third batch of seed, too, which ended up getting choked out by the thorns, it also bore some fruit initially. And we can expect that wherever we throw this seed, that we are going to experience a harvest because that's what God has promised to us. I was told at one point when I was looking uh, at the concept of sowing or reaping by an old preacher that I used to know, a story of the Chinese bamboo plant, which you may well have heard of. I think we have a picture which we can show you here. That's what it looks like. And so this is a very green, fertile tree. It's It's a bamboo. And the seeds, when they fall from this plant, they go into the ground And then they do nothing for a year. They do nothing for the second year. They do nothing for the third year, which is unusual for this type of agriculture. They do absolutely nothing in the fourth year. There will be no sign by looking at the soil that there's even a bamboo plant in there. And yet, in the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo will grow 80 feet tall in just six months. 
So we're looking right there at like the middle section <laughs> of them. It doesn't really even fit in the frame and, and look uh, clear. <clears throat> and God wants us to understand that if we choose to sow His Word, if we choose to apply it and speak it into our lives, that whether we can see what that seed is doing at a given moment is no, has no bearing on what His intended purpose is for that seed when He calls in the harvest. And for some of us here, we have perhaps decided not to sow all the seed we have, or we may have decided, I don't know if I'm going to keep sowing in that area because I don't see that anything is happening there. We may have started by having a lot of belief and faith in a particular area, but when we didn't see anything happening, we just stopped. And we just walked away. We may be focusing on other different areas, but it's easy for the natural person to choose when they don't see something just to stop sowing. And I feel that God wants to bring encouragement to us this morning that if you have chosen to believe in something or believe for something, but you're not seeing any fruit, you're seeing nothing sprouting up, that you are to take courage and hold on to it because the seed that you've put in the ground is going to produce a harvest. You may not see it now, you may not see it next year, but when the time comes, you are going to see that shoot come bursting through and you're going to see the fruit that comes from that. So what do we do with this? I want for all of us to look at our lives and to weigh up what it is that we have been sowing into and what God wants us to sow into. What are the promises and the things which you and I have been believing for? And to examine our hearts and say, are there things that we have been believing for, we have sowed into, that we have stopped? And are there things that we believe God is wanting us to sow into because He wants to see a harvest in those areas? And I believe that today, as we choose to be a people who are sowers, and we have confidence in the Word of God, and we choose to keep believing and keep sowing, we're going to see the fruit that comes with that. So I want to ask you, if you would, just to stand with me, and I'm going to pray. We're going to have a time to respond. Kim, if you would come up here and play. And I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and would highlight to us how we need to respond to the word that we've been studying today. So, Father, I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to come and to shine the light of understanding in our hearts. And that you would just provoke us that if we have, out of disappointment, we have decided to stop speaking things that we once believed were true and that we once hoped for, 
that you will highlight that to us this morning and that you will by your Holy Spirit that you will shape that place of faith again in our hearts that we would make a decision to believe on something that we had once believed on and if that's you this morning I just want to ask that you would before the Lord you can do this inwardly that you would just proclaim to him what you are going to now continue to believe for and if you feel like you need to just repent, which is just an action of turning away from something and turning towards another thing, then you can do that and say, Lord, forgive me that I stopped believing for this and I'm going to choose to believe again today. And as you do that, you're going to unlock the situation that you are going to be now sewing back into. And Father, I just pray for all of us this morning that you would provoke us to be a people that would accept the word that you've spoken, that would choose to believe in it, whether we understand fully how it works or what it looks like, but that we can know that your word is powerful and that you are trustworthy. And the seed which you've given us to sow the words of life that you've given us through your scriptures, that we will be a people who will speak those things and we will live in the fruitfulness and the light of those things and that we will see the harvest come. I pray for an outpouring, for a great harvest, Father, and I pray that you would accelerate the harvest that as your word your prophet prophesied that the one that reaps would catch up with the one that sows that things that we may have held on to for a long time would quickly come and bear fruit because it is a season of fruitfulness a season of sowing and a season of change and we thank you for it in Jesus mighty name. Amen.